It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. He did what? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Cousins is taken Part down. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Aaron Jones Your team broken it open every with day. With a dagger of a run. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, America's guest is here, Jason Hershorn, to talk about what we saw over the weekend with the Green Bay Packers roster. They got it down to 53. And so we're going to go into, no, nah, I would granular detail is overstating it. We're not going to do that. I don't think anyone needs that. <laughs> because most of this team's spots were not up for grabs. The Green Bay Packers went into cutdown day without a lot of major questions. There weren't these nagging concerns about, okay, who's going to play here and how much are they going to play and what is the situation going to be? No, no. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Tim Boyle is the backup. Jordan Love is the developmental piece. We knew that going in, not a surprise to anyone. We knew that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon were all going to make the team and that Tyler Irvin had become a critical part of what this team wanted to be in 2020. In fact, the very first snap of training camp, he lined up as the slot receiver. He's going to be an important part of what this team is looking for offensively. None of that stuff is game-breaking. The tight ends, we knew there'd be four. Mercedes Lewis, Big Bob Tanya, and Jay Sternberger, Josiah DeGuara. That is not particularly interesting. Now, receiver, we knew. Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown. And your mileage may vary on whether or not you were sure EQ was going to make the team. I had very few doubts. The Packers did throw a little bit of a curveball, adding Malik Taylor to the 53 instead of Jake Kumro. Jake Kumro was released, ends up being... A, a Buffalo Bill practice squad guy. They brought back Darius Shepard, Reggie Bagleton, and added Roger Foster, who is a former Bills uh, speed receiver, someone who can get down the field. And he's someone who I think if the Packers need him to play, can be that sort of MVS insurance that they're looking for. But none of these are, are really game changers, right? The difference between Malik Taylor and Jay Kumro is pretty small. Brian Gutekin spoke glowingly about Taylor on Sunday, his ability to get down the field, his explosiveness. It, it is certainly uh, more intriguing long-term than someone like Jay Kumro. We have a defined ceiling there. And then on the offensive line, 
really nothing too interesting. I mean, th this was a, a team whose spots were more or less lined up. Now, you know, was it crazy that Alex Light didn't make it? No, we saw him play last year. Defensively, it was it was more of the same. I mean, we, we can quibble over which five outside linebackers they kept, but we expected them to keep five. We we can wonder, oh, KB on Into over Stanford Samuels at, at cornerback six. Well, that's not that weird. Samuels is back on the practice squad. Safety played out just as we predicted it. There were not very many things going into even training camp. I mean, you go back to a couple weeks ago. We knew what this team was going to look like. As long as they were healthy, we knew what this team was going to look like. And the injuries haven't changed it all that much. Kamal Martin being hurt is not really going to change the way that we think about this team all that much because it was really late-breaking news, frankly, that he was going to be a player anyway. And it mostly impacts this team in Week 1 against a Vikings team that is going to want to play a lot with two receiver sets, you know, multiple tight ends, multiple running backs. The Packers are going to want to have their bigger personnel out there on the field, and they're not going to have Martin, who looked like he was going to be that second linebacker. But this is going back to everything we talked about all offseason. The continuity of this team is going to matter. They think it's going to matter. I think it's going to matter. The fact that they're not having to incorporate new pieces, that they're banking on internal development is a dig for others, whereas I'm looking at it going, okay, but they have talent. It's one thing to say internal development and you hope the guys on your roster get better, and it's another thing when it's actually the case that those guys, if they develop, can be really good. If you're trying to develop Jake Kumaro, that's a fool's errand. But if you're trying to develop someone like Equinemius St. Brown and you're banking on his upside and potential, then you're looking at something that can actually be an impactful piece for you down the line. For the Packers, that this was a boring weekend for the most part speaks to the continuity of this team, the consistency, the lack of variance. And when you're any kind of team, but especially a competing team, you need that consistency. You need that continuity. And at offensive line, you know, they're bringing back someone like Yash Nijman. And the reason is because he's a developmental player and he's been in the system and they like the physical gifts. And long term, they think that can pay off. And those things, we've seen the Packers develop those guys, we've seen them be successful doing that. So I think that, you know, Robert Foster is. You know the biggest name that they brought in over the last week or two, and they did have some tryouts over the weekend at receiver, and that's fine. That's fine. There, it's it's hopefully for them not going to matter because Matt Lafleur spoke glowingly about Valdez Scantling, and they already liked Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. If they can get EQ to be what we saw flashes of as a rookie, just be that guy. Just be the flash guy. And that's someone that gives you a little bit more juice than you had last year when it was Darius Shepard out there, when it was Geronimo Allison out there, when it was Jay Coomer out there. I said this, I tweeted this over the weekend, four receivers who were on the Packers opening 53 are not on this team anymore. Trevor Davis, Geronimo Allison, Jake Coomer, and Darius Shepard. All four of those guys. So you can say, oh, they didn't do anything at receiver. It's a lot of the same names. And that's to some degree true, but Alan Lazar didn't make the 53. 
and turns out he's a real player. Equinemia St. Brown was hurt. Just adding those two guys with a full offseason, given the physical ability that they have, is important. And then you still have guys on the practice squad. Shepard can come in if you need him to. You know, Reggie Bagleton, they loved Bagleton. He just couldn't get on the field. He couldn't outplay some of these more entrenched guys. And they must have really liked what they saw from Malik Taylor. It's hard from the outside looking in because we didn't get very many opportunities to see these guys. And certainly didn't get any opportunities to see them against other competition. And that complicates all of this as we try and evaluate, okay, you know, how does how does this team look? Where are they with their development? Well, we don't we don't know because we didn't really get to see much of them. You know, we, we know the guys who were huge. We know the guys who made big leaps, at least in practice, the Rashawn Garys of the world and, and the MVSs, and that's because every day in practice they're making standout plays. And to a man, the people watching practice are saying, Yeah, this person is really standing out. That's it's a lot easier. For that to be the case, it's it's harder on the margins for us to try and make these same sort of determinations. And so we're just going to have to go into week one and and go from there because that's the that's the only group of information that we have. And so we're going to have to do this evaluation day by day, week by week, and maybe six, eight weeks into the season, Malik Taylor gets on the field and we go, oh, there it is. That's why he was able to make the team. And maybe not. So we just, at this point, we don't know. And we may never know because Malik Taylor may not be on this team next year. He may never play this year and not play next year, Not might not be on the team, and we'll never know. Okay, that's why they wanted to have him out there. No, we just, we, we may not get to actually physically see it, and we just have to be okay with that. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson. Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level many different types of game formats you can pick from main slate single game best ball snake draft and you can even play private contests with your friends 
And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, let's get to Jason Hershorn. You can find him on Twitter at by underscore JBH, uh, my colleague at APC for a long time. He's been covering the Packers for many years. He is America's guest. Jason, thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers. It has been a long off season for all of us, Peter, but I'm glad to finally ring in the NFL season with you. I was just thinking about it over the weekend. I, I couldn't believe that we were actually going to have football. It seems like it's really snuck up on us because we're used to having this long preseason process that everyone usually complains about. But this year, everyone's going, you know what I really miss? Preseason games. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this whole season feels like it's snuck up on me. And I say this as someone who covers the league. Like this yesterday, literally, we're recording on a Sunday. There was an actual like slate of college football games and – the morning I woke up and noticed that it, it felt like it just didn't feel real. And I mean, in a good way, like I, I was surprised that we had not just one, but several football games to watch. So, you know, it took us a long time to get here, but we are indeed here. And that means we actually have football things to talk about, uh, things that impact this week's game, because as I said, the Packers open the 2020 NFL season this year. As we go through, and we're not going to take a, an ultra granular approach to this 53-man roster, but... I do want to talk about it a little bit because there are, I think, some some trends that we can look at and really some important things even for week one as we try and break down this matchup with the Vikings in terms of what we saw over the weekend with just the cuts part of it before we get to you know practice squad and what else they could do. What stood out to you with the way that the Packers put together their roster? Well, the biggest thing that I noticed, and I imagine this is true for a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast, is what the Packers did at receiver. The, the top three were set in stone. Everyone knew that Adams, Lazard, and Valdez Scantling were going to be the top three guys. Everything after that, sure. though, was at least somewhat open to question. And they ended up keeping Equinemius St. Brown. That's not like a huge shock. I know you and I discussed that he was most likely going to be the number four guy unless they felt like his skill set was just too too similar to what they already had not keeping Jay Kumaro is not the biggest shock given that they decided to keep St. Brown but you know Malik Turner or Malik Taylor rather too, too many Maliks that he was the guy they decided to keep as the fifth receiver I think is very telling for what they felt this offense needed because right now I think it's fair to say he is not going to be more useful to the Packers offense than Jay Kumaro I would imagine that the quarterback yeah. feels that way as well <laughs> But Jake Kumaro is probably all he's ever going to be, which is, you know, a capable receiver. That's, that's certainly not a bad thing to have. But Malik Taylor has not just speed that not a lot of the other Packers receivers has, but the ability to be contributing in a lot of other ways on special teams that you weren't really going to get with Kumaro. So I think maybe not now he's going to be a factor, but by the end of the season, he might be someone that we start seeing more and more if he continues on his current trajectory. Yeah, and the Packers did bring back a, a number of, of these guys to the practice squad. Jay Kumara wound up on the Bills practice squad. But this is probably not something that ultimately impacts much of how they want to put together an offense week to week. One of the things that certainly could 
is what they did at the offensive line. And and a couple things stood out to me. I want to get your impression of it. But the Packers kept nine offensive linemen on the active roster. And and really the, the upset, one of the upsets certainly of of this cutdown process is Yash Nijman making the roster over Alex Light, who had to play real snaps last year. I mean, had to go into the the Hornets' nest in San Francisco and take on that 49ers defense, and it didn't go great. Yeah, and to a certain degree, you can understand why they came to this decision. If you assume that their five-slash-six starters are going to be available in some capacity early in the year, it's not a, a sure thing. It looks like Wagner's going to be available. He is practicing. Billy Turner is getting work off to the side. It suggests that he is ramping up towards being available, if not week one soon thereafter. So if you view those as the top six guys, and then you also have Lucas Patrick as the top interior backup, then that's a pretty good setup. You don't necessarily need that extra tackle to be available on game day. And if that's the case, the Packers are probably looking at this as who they want to protect to make sure they have to continue developing. And Yash Nijman, you know, he certainly has a lot of rawness to his game still. He didn't get a lot of time this this, uh, training camp because he wasn't available till the very end. Still, he has such incredible physical tools, and it's something that I'm sure the Packers would like to continue to work with. So if you weren't sure that you're going to be able to clear both of them through waivers, being able to hold on to one of them, in this case, Nijman, makes sense. Alex Light could still return to the team, certainly, and he's someone that could end up being available just because of the weird practice squad promotion rules the NFL has this year. But if you're going to choose one guy for that spot, it's going to be almost purely developmental early in the year. I think this is the right call. You said something to me before we started recording that that I want you to to explain because it's something I've been thinking about as well. With with Billy Turner's status in doubt for Week One, I, I do think if the Packers, you know, had everyone healthy, their their top five would be Bakhtiari, uh, Jenkins, Lindsley, Taylor, Turner. But Turner is in doubt for Week One. It may be the case that even though he was the preferred guy there. He might not be for a long time, even after he's healthy. Explain why that could be. Well, sometimes timing is everything in the NFL. In fact, that's true a lot of the time. In this instance, Billy Turner probably was the guy who was going to get that starting right tackle job if he stayed healthy. I mean, Wagner had suffered his injury before it was really decided. But even then, Turner was getting most of the work, not not the lion's share, but more work with the number one offensive line. Then he goes down with that knee injury. And now Wagner, while not 100%, it looks like he is going to be available to play in week one. And if Wagner's able to hold the fort, then the Packers might just go with momentum there. You know, you don't want to change something that's working, especially when you have a lot of uncertainty at other positions. So if Wagner just gets the nod because he was a healthier guy, and it's not ridiculous that he would start. He obviously has a lot of starting experience with the Detroit Lions and before that with the Baltimore Ravens. But if he's just able to get the start now and is able to just hold his own, then Turner may never get that chance. It also, in this way, may hurt Turner's chances to start at right tackle, that he's so versatile. He's someone who, you know, you don't want him playing left tackle, but he's done that before in the NFL. He's played both guard positions. He's even practiced with Green Bay at center. So they could look at him as being someone who could cover, in some way, shape, or form, all of the positions, and they may just like to have that comfort going into any individual game day. I think it's also a good reminder of what the Packers did with Lane Taylor's salary, uh, guaranteeing some money so that he's a little cheaper this year, but so he made the roster and then he comes in in camp and and just plays lights out. I mean, didn't lose a one-on-one rep. 
And, you know, Billy Turner's move to right tackle is is just as much about Lane Taylor's ability to play right guard. Even if Rick Wagner isn't great, but is just solid, they have to feel pretty good about holding down the fort with their offensive line because the rest of the group, you've got four capable to good to, in, in one case, super elite David Bakhtiari. They should be fine. Yeah, in addition to that, having another guy there, even if Taylor wasn't going to end up being the starter, obviously he played his way into that position, but he was still going to be a quality backup, which meant that the Packers could treat some of their young offensive linemen or especially the rookies that they drafted this year and just let them purely develop. So in this case, John Runyon, one of the draft picks that they had on day three, he made the roster. He's almost certainly not going to play a snap from scrimmage at least early in the year. But now he can just develop, get stronger, all the things you would expect a player like that to do as a backup or really just a deep reserve rookie. And maybe down the end, near the end of the season, more likely sometime in 2021, he sees himself with an opportunity to get a bigger role, especially if Taylor, who's going to be a free agent this offseason, if he leaves, Runyon might be the guy who could step in there, but he doesn't have to be put in a disadvantageous position now. So I think just from a developmental standpoint, just establishing the best possible runway for your young guys, that worked out really well for them. On the defensive side of the ball, I think there were fewer big-time surprises. The outside linebacker position was extremely competitive. Tim Williams and Tippa Galea. Uh, did not make the 53, although Tippa is back on the practice squad. The Packers did keep Randy Ramsey, who was a player that they already liked. And then uh, deep day three pick Jonathan Garvin, someone that, that I liked a lot. This is a this is a group that the Packers are, are going to rely on to play real snaps for them on defense. Uh, were you surprised with the group that they ended up putting together? Surprise is a little strong because I feel after the, the top three guys, there were probably four that could have made a case for the active roster. Sure. So the two that they went with seemed perfectly reasonable to me. And you made a very good point. These are players that we expect to play snaps from scrimmage, not just because of the potential for injury for guys ahead of them. You know, we're going to see, as we saw last year, Cedarius Smith play with his hand in the dirt along the defensive line, which is going to move. Uh, which is going to move for Sean Gary into a position where he's going to play. We also see packages where they might have, in addition to Preston Smith and Gary on the edge, one of those other guys coming in too. So I would imagine that we'll see Ramsey or Garvin playing real snaps sometime during the first month of the season, even if everybody stays healthy. So those were real impactful decisions, and we'll see how they play out over the course of the next few weeks. The Packers kept four inside linebackers, but it's really only three with Kamel Martin seemingly headed to IR with that knee injury, we don't really have a clear picture of how they're going to handle that roster spot or the roster spot presumably vacated by KB Onento, the cornerback who was also kept on the 53, who looks also like he's going to be headed to IR. What are, what are your expectations for how Green Bay could handle that? Well, I think their willingness to only keep four true off-ball linebackers with one of them expected to go onto short-term IR tells you how much of a role that second off-ball linebacker was likely to have in Mike Pettin's defense. And we saw this last year, too, right. obviously, where they spent a lot of their snaps with one true off-ball linebacker, that being at the time Blake Martinez, and a defensive back. In that case, it was early in the season, Raven Green. Later on, they rotated a bunch of guys there. Sometimes it was Adrian Amos. But the point being is, I think they understood even before Martin's injury that it wasn't just going to be two off-ball linebackers playing a ton of snaps next to each other, that they were going to use safeties primarily in that role next to Kirksey. And 
I, I don't see that changing with Martin's injury. Certainly, they would want to use Martin. He was going to play snaps in week one. That had become evident. But Raven Green is healthy. I assume that he's going to see snaps in that role. They also have Will Redmond who can play that role. Obviously, Adrian Amos can play that role again. I don't know if that's going to be their their plan A, given that they like to use him as more of a true safety. But we'll see. There's just a lot of different options there. And they're going to find out very quickly if that plan is going to work as it pertains to the run because we know Minnesota is going to bring a lot of those runs coming right off the tackle. Yeah, and this is uh, another thing. Um, that that may not be as impactful week one, but Mike Patton said last week that Shannon Sullivan is the nickel. Uh, Minnesota plays, uh, I think, the least amount of eleven personnel in the league last year. Um, so, and and they don't have a lot after Adam Thielen, so they may not be in it a lot in week one. But for the Packers, they keep Jair Alexander, Kevin King, who we assumed, Shannon Sullivan, Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, Stanford Samuel sneaks onto the practice squad. But no Tremont Williams, and it doesn't seem like they're all that motivated to bring in Tremont Williams. Is that how you would have handled this situation? I think so, given the way Shandon Sullivan played down the stretch last season and during training camp this year. There are certainly areas in which it would be better to have Tremont Williams, but at a certain point, you have to go with younger players that are ascending. That is Shandon Sullivan. I mean, he's someone that when the Packers first acquired him, None of us talked about. We might have acknowledged that it happened and that was it. He is. I'm not even sure we acknowledged it happened. Yeah, there might have been a story on APC. There might not have been. I I can't remember, to be perfectly honest with you. But the point (laughs) being is Shannon Sullivan has played himself into what essentially is a starting position, even if week one, that may not be the case just because of the particular opponent. Shannon Sullivan, if everybody's healthy, is going to see the third most snaps of any cornerback on that team. That is a huge deal for a guy that was an undrafted free agent a few years ago, washed out with the Eagles, who at the time had no cornerback depth. This was someone that they felt couldn't even help them, and they were more desperate for cornerbacks than any other team in the league at the time and he's really turned his career around in green bay he's someone who it was going to be a free agent restricted one at that in the not too distant future that might be a piece that they try to keep around for a while if his good play continues into 2020 simply because of how young he is how much better he could continue to get there's a lot of reasons for them to be optimistic about shandon sullivan's future I want to get back to something you said about the off-ball linebacker position because we do expect Mike Patton to use a lot of those multi-safety looks. We haven't had really any time in any sort of extended way to see Raven Green, what he is and what he can be. To me, he's one of those players who his variance could could very well dictate how high this team can climb in, say, you know, the defensive DVOA rankings because he's going to play a lot. And if he is a good player, that is one of those places where you say, okay, what is the ceiling of this team? They didn't add a lot of pieces. Well, they bring back Raven Green. If he's a good player, it seems like that could be a place where you point to and say, this team can get a lot better if he's good. Yeah, I don't want to make out Raven Green's injury last year to be equivalent to like Nick Collins in 2011. That's certainly not the case, but he was going to be a big part of their defensive plans in 2019 it was very clear he was in for all intents and purposes 
the starting inside linebacker next to Blake right. Martinez. And not just in their, you know, essentially their base defense. He was going to play in virtually all of their packages because of how well he could cover. Because, again, his background is as a defensive back. Because he was also able to play the run reasonably well for someone his size. So, yeah, you were giving up some against the run. But you may have been giving up less than the Packers were doing with the other guys that they used to replace him. And, again, if Raven Green is not just healthy. I think it's clear that he's healthy now. But if he's healthy and back to where he was at the start of the 2019 season, then that could really change the way they approach the, uh, the, or offenses for the first half of the season. That, that's just such a difference that he can make because even if he's just solid, that's something they did not have next to Blake Martinez last year. Right. And and it's definitely part of the solution to making do while Kamal Martin is gone. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see how quickly, if Raven Green, let's say Raven Green struggles, and Kamel Martin can come back after the bye week. How quickly does he not only get on the field, but but get significant snaps? Maybe they do play a little bit more traditional personnel. We'll see. Still, you know, a, a long way to go on that one. I can't bring you in for a Monday show without talking to you about the actual game that we're, we're going to watch on Sunday, which is, again, amazing. So what is your lean or your feel or your early thoughts on this Packers-Vikings matchup as we stand here, um, you know, a week away from the game? Well, had you asked me this question, let's just say two, three weeks ago, I would have said a slight Minnesota lead. I don't know what home field advantage really is or isn't this year for all the reasons that we've talked about before. There are not going to be fans in Minnesota this year or this or week one anyway. So because of that, it's hard to really say what that advantage is. Still, it is a very talented Minnesota team. It is extremely talented Minnesota defense that just added Yannick Ngakwe. And that is a big reason why I'm uncomfortable picking anyone but Minnesota here. Because think of it from Green Bay's offensive perspective. They already knew they were going to have some issues protecting Aaron Rodgers on the right side of that offensive line. Now they're put in a position where you assume that David Bakhtiari is going to have to go one-on-one with either Danell Hunter or Ngakwe the entire day, which is, even for someone like Bakhtiari, that is a huge task. And on the other side, it's going to be an extremely talented pass rusher against what's probably going to be a right tackle and Mercedes Lewis virtually the entire day. And if that's the way the offense has to approach things, it's going to limit the menu of options they have, even early in the game. And I think that is going to make things very difficult on Green Bay, who is still trying to figure out how exactly that offense is going to work with a group of receivers that isn't necessarily untalented, but is certainly unproven behind Devontae Adams. And just not having, I wouldn't say chemistry, but they haven't seen this version of the offensive line play a real live snap yet. That matters. Even if you have someone like Wagner who's played a lot of football, even if you have someone like Turner at right tackle who's played a lot of football. Whereas for Minnesota, there's a lot fewer questions amongst the defensive front. And for those reasons, I just think the Vikings are going to have that advantage. Kirk Cousins could make me second guess this any number of times between now and next Sunday. because <laughs> That's just the situation <laughs> at hand. But I do feel like Minnesota has the advantage here. All right. Well, we'll see a lot more to break down in the coming days as we lead up to that week one game. Jason, let my listeners know uh, where they can find all of the work that you do. Well, you can find me on Twitter at by underscore JBH. Uh, you'll actually be able to find me at a new outlet sometime very soon. I can't announce those details yet, but I'm very excited about it. And if you check me out on Facebook, you can find the articles I'm writing now. So do all of those things. I look forward to the announcement in the not too distant future. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. All right. Take care, Peter. Before we finish up here, I want to remind you about Built Bar because it is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is the best tasting protein bar 
ever. And I've gotten a number of notes from people that are like, hey, I'm trying this based on your suggestion. And you know what I haven't heard any of? Hey, these are bad. You led me astray. No, because I'm not leading you astray. I'm telling you these are the most delicious protein bars you've ever eaten. You'll take a bite and go, I can't believe that the nutritional facts on this are right. You will you will want to get into you know molecular biology or whatever you have to get into to confirm the ingredients because when you take a bite of caramel brownie or cookies and cream or German chocolate or salt, salted caramel, you're expecting something, if it's healthy, to taste like cardboard and Built Bar is the exact opposite. It is smooth, it is creamy, and they're all covered with 100% chocolate. Right now, you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. That's promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread i don't know about you guys but when i eat pizza i eat it for the toppings not the crust and when i eat a sandwich it's for what's inside the bread not for the bread but when i throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds thin sliced bread from dave's killer bread it is the epitome of addition by subtraction that thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste killer texture killer nutrition a subtle sweetness and a seed coated crust dave's killer bread is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store all right it is game week packers vikings expert tuesday we've got our wednesday show with lily zao which we still have not uh, chosen a name for if you have a good idea, send it to me. Thursday is our crossover show, so we'll have Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings on Thursday. And then Friday is our Periscope show. It will be live at 5 Central, 6 o'clock Eastern time on Periscope. And we'll go up on the podcast feed shortly after that. we got to make sure we get all of the injury news necessary. Is Billy Turner going to play? Is he not going to play? Is Rick Wagner going to start at right tackle? This is information that we don't know. But that, of course, we need. So we have to wait for Friday afternoon to put that show out. It's happy hour. Bring your beer. Bring your wine. Bring your whiskey. Bring your gin. Whatever you want to bring. Bring your your water. Whatever you know. Do do what makes you feel good. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun all week, all season long. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers, I was just rolling there. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.